Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Jake Slagle with Rearview Mirror. I'm Neil and welcome back to my radio show. Hope you had a good week. Mine was a bit broken up. I took a day off this week. Tuesday was Valentine's Day and uh, we went out to eat, me and my wife. And I had 
crepes for the first time. I didn't know you could have savory crepes that have meat in them. I had a, a beef brisket with chimichurri. I thought it was more of a breakfast thing. But uh, no, you can have them uh, anytime during the day. Now, as I continue to do this, I think we're into the fourth episode now. And I swear at some point I'm going to stop talking about the the construction of the show. But as we streamline this and fall, fall into a pattern, I think we're getting a little bit closer to where I want to be. We have the music uh, pretty much lined up at this point with the amount of music that I'm going to play. And when it comes to the TV and streaming reviews, we're going to forge on with one new movie, one older movie, and a TV show. Unless I had a week where I watched a lot of stuff, this week wasn't a big week. So we're going to have one newer movie, which is Barbarian, an older movie, Jason and the Argonauts, and a streaming TV show, Resident Alien. Now to get back to the music. Oh, that's the other thing. I mean, this this show in particular, there's going to be a real Nashville vibe. None of that is planned. It's just as I go through the music during the week and try to build up my library of music. So eventually at some point I can just pull from what I have. It's just kind of random just the way it turns out. But this, this episode is definitely going to have a Nashville vibe. And there'll be some other stuff sprinkled in. But let's get back to the music. Next up is Paul Vincent with Empty Heart and Broken Dreams. Oh, you got me stressing, counting all my blessings. God, come get me out of this town. Cause every day I wake up wishing I could break up with the city light and construction sound. She left you gray 
Curtis Cole featuring Katrina Stone with Made in L.A. Barbarian is a 2022 American horror thriller film written and directed by Zach Krieger in his solo screenwriting and directorial debut. The film stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. The plot sees a woman find out that the rental home she's reserved has been accidentally double booked by a man not knowing of a dark secret within the dwelling. Barbarian premiered at San Diego Comic-Con on July 22, 2022 and was theatrically released in the United States on September 9, 2022 by 20th Century Studios. The film received generally positive reviews with praise for Krieger's screenplay and direction as well as the cast performances. The film grossed $45 million worldwide on a production budget between $4 million and $4.5 million. We're going to go a little bit into the plot, but I don't want to give too much away. Tess Marshall arrives at a rental house in the rundown Detroit neighborhood of Brightmoor on the evening before a job interview. However, she finds it has been double booked and is already occupied by a man named Keith Toshka. Initially unnerved by Keith, Tess warms up to him and decides to stay the night while Keith sleeps on the sofa. When she wakes up in the middle of the night, she is shaken to find her bedroom door has been opened, but Keith is asleep and assures her he did not touch the door. Let's go to the scores. Rotten Tomato gives Barbarian a 93%. IMDB gets a 7 out of 10. And Metacritic gets a 78%. Okay, I don't want to talk too much about this film because I think what makes it a better viewing experience is if you go in not knowing a whole lot. So I would say anybody who doesn't know anything about Barbarian and you are going to watch it, don't watch any trailers, don't read any reviews, It's a good movie, just watch it. Because if you don't know what's coming, it makes it a hell of a lot better film. I kind of tricked my wife into watching and I said it was just a thriller. I think she liked it more than she let on. But this is a, uh, it's a very good film, like I said. Just going in and watching the movie without knowing anything about it is a big plus. The movie is well written, has fine performances, and it is, it's, it's a movie that will stick with you. I give Barbarian eight stars. And now back to the music with Guest House, Get Wild. Turn up the dial. 
of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures presents Jason and the Argonauts, the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Turn back, Jason! We're trapped! Sailing to the ends of the earth, battling against an incredible number of obstacles. Where will you find this miracle? I have heard there is a tree at the end of the world with a fleece of gold hanging in its branches. In search of the fabulous magic golden fleece, Jason and the Argonauts, caught in the clutches of the towering bronze giant Talos, battered by treacherous falling rocks, taming vulturous harpies, facing the dreaded seven-headed Hydra, battling the merciless army of skeletons. Jason and the Argonauts, the classic story of Jason. A man who challenged the gods. Medea, a temple dancer who betrayed a kingdom for love. The Argonauts, the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Jason and the Argonauts, a classic adventure story brought to the screen through the incredible special effects magic of Dinorama. Jason and the Argonauts, the search that became a legend. Jason and the Argonauts is a 1963 Anglo-American independent mythological fantasy adventure film distributed by Columbia Pictures. It was produced by Charles H. Schneer, directed by Don Chaffee, and stars Todd Armstrong while co-starring Nancy Kovac, Honor Blackman, and Gary Raymond. And also, let's not forget, Niall McGuinness, who plays Zeus, and he is also in one of my favorite classic horror films, Curse of the Demon, Night of the Demon, depending on which title it's under. But he plays the cult leader. He's fantastic in that. Just as a side note. Shot in Eastman Color, the film was made in collaboration with stop-motion animator master Ray Harryhausen and is known for its various legendary creatures, notably the iconic fight scene featuring seven skeleton warriors. Although it was a box office disappointment during its initial release, the film was critically acclaimed and later became a cult classic. The film score was composed by Bernard Herrmann, who had partnered with Harryhausen on The Seventh Voyage of Simbad, The Three Worlds of Gulliver, and The Mysterious Island. And if the name sounds familiar, he also did the music for Psycho. Peleus usurps the throne of Thessaly, killing King Aristo. God, you gotta love these Greek names. A prophecy states that one of Aristo's children will avenge him, the infant Jason. Aristo's son is spirited away by one of Aristo's soldiers. Peleus slays one of Aristo's daughters after she seeks sanctuary in the temple of the goddess Hera, which is really brutal, (laughs) by the way. They don't show it, it's off screen, but my goodness. Because the murder has profaned her temple, Hera becomes Jason's protector. She warns Peleus to beware of the one-sandaled man. Twenty years later, Jason saves Peleus from drowning in a river, an accident orchestrated by Hera, losing his sandal in the process. Peleus recognizes his enemy. Jason intends to seek the legendary Golden Fleece to rally support against Peleus. The king encourages Jason in the attempt, hoping him to die on the mission. Alright, going to the scores. We got three here. We got IMDB at 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes at 89, 
and letterbox at 3.6. Man, that's the first time I've had a letterbox one. Now, when I was a kid, I loved the Harryhausen films. I watched them every weekend when they were on television. Now, Jason the Argonauts has a lot of iconic scenes in it, and the real star of this film is Harryhausen's effects. The Titan, the Skeletons, the Hydra, and the Harpies. The Harpies are a little... They don't look the greatest, but I mean, for I can't imagine back when these films were made what it was like. Because you got to remember, this is long before CGI. You just can't make monsters in a computer like you can now. Even a television show can have amazing special effects. Back then, they had to do this by hand, and they're amazing. I can't imagine what it was like for people to see this stuff on screen. But there's always something about Jason and the Argonauts that I didn't really connect with. It's a good movie. It's an adequate sword and sandal movie. But there was always something that I didn't, that didn't work for me. And doing research for this, I found out what it was. The um, stars of the film, Todd Armstrong, uh, Medea, Nancy Kovac, they're both dubbed. And I think that's why I never connected with Armstrong as Jason. It's because he's dubbed by another actor. And... Now that I look, knowing that, looking at it, you can see it's a little off. And I think that's what's always bugged me. But this film isn't about acting, uh, about performances. It's about Harryhausen's effects. And he, is, uh, he was a, a revolutionary in special effects. And you got to remember, again, the, this is before even 2001 or um, Star Wars, where they had real advancements in effects and stop motion was the only way to bring these types of fantasy adventures to the screen. Oh yeah, when the, uh, <laughs> the evil wizard creates the skeletons, he has a whole helmet full of hydra teeth and only seven come out. He must stink as a wizard. And all his warriors have, it's pretty funny, all his warriors have knitted hats and wicker shields, but when the skeletons come out of the ground, they have uh, metal shields and swords. Oh, and the, the skeletons have shields with octopuses on. I tried to make some, uh, comparison or some connection to H.P. Lovecraft, but but I couldn't, but uh, it'd be cool if it was. So I give Jason and the Argonauts seven and a half skeletons. Coming up next, we have Vicki McCrone with Inside My Heart.
That was Ben Wagner, The U. Resident Alien is an American science fiction, mystery, comedy, drama, television series created by Chris Sheridan, based on the comic book of the same title by Peter Hogan and Steve Parkhouse, that premiered its 10-episode first season on January 27, 2021 on Sci-Fi. The series stars Alan Tudyk in the title role, In March 2021, the series was renewed for a second season, which premiered on January 26, 2022. The second season consists of 16 episodes split into two eight-episode parts, and the second half premiered on August 10, 2022. In July 2022, the series was renewed for a third season, which will consist of eight episodes. The premise, after crash landing on Earth, an alien sent to wipe out humanity kills and takes on the identity of a vacationing pathology physician. He is asked to do an autopsy on the town's doctor, who has died in unknown circumstances. He wrestles with the moral dilemma of a secret mission while also dealing with the mayor's young son who can see his true appearance. Okay, what is the general consensus of the show? Let's go to IMDB, which is an 8.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is a 94. And Google users, let's see, 88% like this show. I had seen the commercials for Resident Alien numerous times on the Sci-Fi channel. I just never got around to watching it. And then once I did, I found the show is, I mean, first and foremost, it's hilarious because Tudyk plays the alien as um, crass. And when it comes to humans, he doesn't really give too much of a crap, except for his friend Asa. 
But what makes this show stand out is the depiction of all the supporting characters and their performances. But if it was just two dicks, fish out of the water, shtick the whole time, it would probably get old. It's the type of show that I'll watch an episode and not watch it for a while. And then when I watch another one, I say, why am I watching these or binging these? Because these are fantastic. Uh, Maybe just me trying to save them. But for me, Resident Alien is a hilarious recommend. Okay, so let's get back to the music with Jesse Ritter with Young. Running down Thompson Ridge in no blue jeans A triple backflip off a rusted tire swing Broken arm and trophy scars Oh, that's one hell of a way to win a heart It might kill him for we're done At least it keeps us young Let's you bleed And 
Senseless by Ben Rainier, featuring Paige Boyadis. At the top of the show, I'd mentioned that last week was Valentine's Day. Now, there's one thing you always hear on Valentine's Day is people complaining that it was created by Hallmark. Well, is that true? So I decided to do a little reading on it. Valentine's Day, also called St. Valentine's Day, or the Feast of St. Valentine, is celebrated annually on February 14th. It originated as a Christian feast day honoring a martyr named Valentine. Through later folk traditions, it has become a significant cultural and commercial celebration of romance and love in many regions of the world. There are a number of martyrdom stories associated with various St. Valentines connected to February 14th, including an account of imprisonment of St. Valentine of Rome for ministering to Christians persecuted under the Roman Empire in the 3rd century. According to an early tradition, St. Valentine restored sight to the blind daughter of his jailer. Numerous later additions to the legend have better related it to the theme of love. An 18th century embellishment to the legend claims he wrote the jailer's daughter a letter signed Your Valentine as a farewell before his execution. In another tradition, St. Valentine performed weddings for Christian soldiers forbidden to marry. The 8th century Galatian Sacramentary, and I may have butchered that, recorded the celebration of the Feast of St. Valentine on February 14th. The day became associated with romantic love in the 14th and 15th century when notions of courtly love flourished, apparently by the association with the lovebirds of early spring. In early 18th century England, it grew into an occasion for couples to express their love for each other by presenting flowers, offering confectionery, and sending greeting cards known as valentines. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. Now we know who to blame. Valentine's Day symbols that are used today include the heart-shaped outline, doves, and the figure of the winged cupid. In the 19th century, handmade cards gave way to mass-produced greetings. In Italy, St. Valentine's keys are given to lovers as a romantic symbol and an invitation to unlock the giver's heart, as well as to children to ward off epilepsy. Called (laughs) Called St. Valentine's Malady. So there you go. It's uh, Valentine's has is a way to cure epilepsy, I guess. In 1797, a British publisher issued The Young Man's Valentine Writer, which contains scores of suggested sentimental verses for young lovers unable to compose his own. Printers had already begun producing a limited number of cards with verses and sketches called Mechanical Valentines. 
Paper valentines became so popular in England in the 19th century that they were assembled in factories. Fancy valentines were made with real lace and ribbons, with paper lace introduced in the mid-19th century. In 1835, 60,000 valentine cards were sent by post in the United Kingdom, despite postage being expensive. In the United States, the first mass-produced valentines of Paper lace were produced and sold shortly after 1847 by Esther Howland. Her father operated a large book and stationery store, but Howland took her inspiration from an English valentine she had received from a business associate of her father. Intrigued with the idea of making similar valentines, Howland began her business by importing paper lace and floral decorations from England. Since the 19th century, handmade cards have given way to mass-produced greeting cards. In the UK, just under half of the population spends money on their valentines. And around £1.9 billion was spent in 2015 on cards, flowers, chocolates, and other gifts. The mid-19th century Valentine's Day trade was a harbinger of future commercialized holidays in the US to follow. In 1868, the British chocolate company Cadbury created Fancy Boxes a decorated box of chocolates in the shape of a heart for Valentine's Day. Boxes of filled chocolates quickly became associated with the holiday. In the second half of the 20th century, the practice of exchanging cards was extended to all manners of gifts, including jewelry. Ouch. The U.S. Greeting Card Association estimates that approximately 190 million Valentines are sent each year in the United States. Half of those valentines are given to family members other than husbands or wives, usually to children. The average valentine spending has increased every year in the United States from $108 a person in 2010 to $131 in 2013. The rise of internet popularity at the turn of the millennium is creating new traditions. Millions of people use every year digital means of creating and sending Valentine's Day greeting messages such as e-cards, love coupons, or printable greeting cards. Valentine's Day is considered by some to be a hallmark holiday due to its commercialization. After going through that, uh, blame the English, they created it. Not to say that Hallmark hasn't uh, capitalized on it, but Hallmark did not create it. We created it. So you made your bed lie in it. Happy Valentine's Day. And now to warm the cockles of your heart and get your feet a-tappin', here's Ziv Moran with Freedom Mile. In the closet way back I won't be needing that I won't be needing that oh. I'm ready to fly down 65 Hit the coastline In the sunshine I'm going to find my new high Hit the coastline In the sunshine Oh 
folks. So once again, we're coming up on the end of the show. Please remember to subscribe, follow, like, comment, all that social media stuff to help the show grow. So if you have any comments for the show, I'll read them right at this portion of the program. But as we go out, we're going to have the spotlight song. And before I read the bio, this song is one that a lot of people can relate to. It reminds me a lot of uh, family camping trips and just spending time together. Our spotlight artist for this week is Michael Shines, one of the most sought-after acoustic performers and singer-songwriters in the Midwest. Michael Shines is one of the hardest-working musicians on the scene. With his deeply personal song, soulful voice, and signature phrasing, he has built a loyal fan base that stretches across the U.S. Michael can be seen live throughout the year on one of his many national tours. I hope everyone has a great week, and I'll see you on the cool side. Now let's go out with Michael Shines, To the River. To the river To the river we go Leave our worries on the shore and drift away On the river On the river we know Sometimes the perfect words are never said I spilled my coffee, I don't feel like talking, my worries just keep growing by the day I need a moment where the green and blue appear To spin a rock and watch the ricochet to the river To the river we go Leave our worries on the shore and drift away On the river On the river we know Sometimes the perfect words are left unsaid You could change your mind When you're intertwined with the water and the waves As I grow older, well That boat I'll never sell It works better than the pills the doctor gave And with that old fishing pole by the bucket full The kids are helping on the grill And sneak a taste To the river To the river we go Leave our worries on the shore And drift away On the river On the river we know Sometimes the perfect words are never you could change your mind when you're intertwined with the water and the waves. Before you end your days And if you see me out there wave hello This has been a presentation at the Twilight Audio Theater.